Hey everybody, welcome into a brand new episode of Locked On Nittany Lions, your Penn State podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's Friday, July 17th, 2020, and today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. I'm your host, Kevin McGuire. Happy to be with you here as always. I'm a contributor to athlonsports.com, and my goodness, we have a loaded show today. So much news to get into both with Penn State and, of course, the the evolving NCAA landscape for the upcoming college football season. We're going to talk about all the stuff that's been going on with the new NCAA guidelines for returning to sports, some announcements from around the Big Ten and what could potentially be heading to Penn State as schools try to figure out what they're going to do with the upcoming fall. And watch list season continues with some more Penn Staters getting their names on some watch lists for some individual college football awards. So like I said, a lot of stuff to get into in today's episode. So before we get into it, let's make sure you are hitting that subscribe button on all of your favorite podcasting apps of choice, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, or on Google Podcasts, Overcast, whatever you use to listen to podcasts. Make sure you are subscribed so you never miss a single episode. And then once you are subscribed, please consider leaving a rating and a review because your feedback is greatly appreciated. We're trying to strive for 100 Apple podcast reviews in the month of July. So any help you can give us there would be greatly appreciated. And of course, it does help with promoting the show across those various podcasting networks. It helps us get better placement with the more feedback and subscriptions you guys lend to us. So we appreciate all of your support moving forward. And we also want you to stay connected with our podcast and send in your questions and your comments at any time so that it can be included into the conversation. You can hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitch by using the username LockedOnNittany across all of those social media platforms. So with all that out of the way, guys, let's go ahead and get into today's episode because as I said, we have a lot to get into. So let's go. We begin today's episode by talking about some of the latest news as far as the NCAA trying to offer some guidelines for all of its member institutions to get sports back into the swing of things for the upcoming fall. Now, of course, we all know that there are still some ongoing discussions at every school, within every conference, and in every state about how schools should be returning to schools. And of course, if we don't have school, then we probably don't have college sports. But let's just for the moment assume that college sports is going to be able to return. How is it going to do that? Well, the NCAA has put out its own list of guidelines for schools to return to sports, and it includes updated testing, quicker turnaround on testing results, for especially for high-contact sports like football, and just continuing to monitor it's important to know that the ncaa cannot enforce the guidelines that it has put out it is just kind of putting out some general information and guidelines that they would like to recommend for every other conference to do with as they please and of course they don't have to go with just what the ncaa does Uh, they can have a different set of modified guidelines by conference or the different schools can come up with their own guidelines Obviously, every precaution that you can take, the better, I say. But the basic gist of the NCAA guidelines to returning to sports, uh, again, testing within 72 hours for all high-contact sport athletes and daily health checks. So nothing too out of the ordinary. I think it's good that the NCAA has put together its updated list of guidelines to share 
with all of its members as schools continue to try and figure out how they're going to get uh, players back on campus, student athletes back on campus, and get sports running. Because we have seen a number of occasions where football voluntary workouts or just other voluntary workouts for other sports programs have been put on hold due to a player or a couple handful of people within the program or the athletics department testing positive as these tests are being conducted. I mean, it's a part of the process. If you're going to come back for voluntary workouts, you're going to go through a round of testing. And once you have some positive tests, if you see a trend developing in the wrong way, it's obviously best to just shut everything down as much as possible. That definitely happened at Ohio State recently. But Ohio State has recently been able to go back to those voluntary workouts. So it's not a surprise to see schools uh, open up voluntary workouts and practices and put things uh, on ice for a temporary point in time. Ohio State's not the only one. This has happened in Kansas and Kansas State. Uh, a number of schools have gone into a holding pattern once they have those testing results come back. So, again, this is not something that we will see the last of. This is still something that's going to potentially be happening. Fortunately, this has not been the case at Penn State, at least at this point in time, and that's always an encouraging development. And Penn State's not learning this, but Penn State did offer up its latest COVID-19 testing results uh, through email the other day on Wednesday, I believe it was. And Penn State confirmed that 178 COVID-19 tests have been conducted to student athletes. It's not just football players, but you figure a good number of football players are in that number there. And to date, there were zero positive tests that were coming back from that testing. I should note that 31 tests were still considered pending as of the time that Penn State put out that statement. And as of the time I'm recording this episode, that was the latest word that I had seen regarding that. So it doesn't necessarily say that Penn State is out of the woods just yet. There still could be a positive test in that mix, but so far so good. I think now that Penn State has been back on campus or with student athletes for a couple of weeks now, and they have yet to have any kind of positive developments, or I should say positive tests. We've seen positive developments, but no positive tests. There's two very different things in this uh, conversation. Uh, Kentucky and Oklahoma also were among the schools that have been turning in some uh, positive and encouraging results as far as their COVID-19 testing is concerned. So that's always good to see, especially when you see some of the trends that are out there around the country, Oklahoma with some surges, uh, certainly down in the South and the Southeastern Conference area. Uh, there have been some spikes as far as the COVID-19 is concerned. So having zero positive tests to report in the, over the last couple of days from schools like Oklahoma and Kentucky, that just continues to be a good sign. Throw in Penn State, and we're starting to see some uh, good stuff happening. You know, the, I think Notre Dame was another school that recently announced that there were no positive tests in their round of testing. So good news on all fronts there. Doesn't necessarily mean we're out of the woods just yet. You know, it's far from that, but it's still a positive step in the right direction. And it shows that you know the testing is out there. Hopefully the testing is accurate. And hopefully this is just another hurdle that we're going to clear before we get a chance to actually see some sports played later this fall. We know that the professional sports are getting ready to kick back up right now with Major League Baseball around the corner. This time next week, we'll have some live baseball. It looks like the NBA and the NHL are getting ready to go again, picking up their seasons where they left off. And of course, uh, we're still waiting to see if college football is going to be able to play. The time is creeping up very quickly. We are coming up on, I think, six weeks now from the first slate of games in that week zero schedule, whatever's left of them. Uh, we're still waiting to find out what conferences like the SEC, ACC, and the Big 12 are going to be doing. The reports are out there that it looks as though those conferences are going to be kind of in unison 
with their decision when they make that uh, final decision made. Obviously, the Big Ten and Pac-12 got out in front of it, cutting all non-conference games. It looks as though the other three power conferences could be a little bit more in sync with their decision-making whenever that happens to be. It looks like it's going to be at the end of the month, so maybe in the next week or so, we'll start to really hear some rumblings about what their plans are. Not necessarily closing the door on non-conference games there, but there could be a little bit more flexibility between the Big 12, ACC, and SEC as far as some of those non-conference matchups are concerned. But we are in crunch time. I think anyone who covers college sports has been saying this for a little bit now, but it's really the nitty-gritty point in time where we really need to get people on the same page if we're going to be able to get past this COVID-19 pandemic and return to sports in a healthy and safe way for everybody involved. And we're seeing more and more college coaches get out and be a spokesperson for asking people to make the decisions that they need to be making, including wearing a mask. So Michigan and Michigan State got their head coaches together into a joint promo between the two schools, a collaborative effort, speaking to all the people in the state of Michigan. So they had Jim Harbaugh, they had Tom Mizzo, a couple other head coaches, of course, including Mel Tucker, the new head coach of the Michigan State football program. And they all kind of stressed the importance of making those decisions to wear a mask right now. So, uh, And also in the state of Alabama, they've gone to, I believe, a mask-wearing mandate. Uh, and we're starting to see more of that, especially in some of these states where you're seeing some of the surges. Of course, right here in Pennsylvania, the western side of the state had a little bit of a spike recently. So now the whole state is scaling back some of the allowances for what you can do with restaurants and bars. So, uh, you know, just when you thought you were starting to make some progress, uh, things are not going as well as they should be right now. So it's good to see people in power and notable voices speak out and encourage people to be doing what they need to be doing because we are all in this together and we need to find a way past all of this. And the best way to do that is by making sensible decisions. And I'm just going to say, wear a mask. Don't whine about it. Don't complain about it. Just do it. It's that simple. Hey, you know what else is incredibly simple? Finding the right parts that you need for your car or truck on rockauto.com. RockAuto.com is a family business. They've been serving auto parts to customers online for 20 years, so they know what it takes to deliver the product that you need. And all you got to do is go to RockAuto.com. You go to the search bar, you type in the make and model of your car, and it's going to bring you a complete catalog of all the parts that they have available to you for your vehicle. Whether you need oil, whether you need new tires, maybe you need some seat covers or just some new windshield wipers. I know I need some windshield wipers. I really got to get on that. But they will bring up everything that is available for your car. And the best part is they're going to give you the prices that are fit for your budget. You're going to get the same price whether you're a professional or a do-it-yourselfer. RockAuto.com is there for everybody of all backgrounds and all skill levels. So go to RockAuto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car truck. Right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com So earlier this week on the podcast, we talked a little bit about some of the watch lists that have been put out there for Micah Parsons and, of course, Sean Clifford. And the watch list season continued as the week went on. The other day, they had the Doak Walker uh, watch list put out. This is the award for the top running back in the nation. So two Penn Staters appeared on this watch list, which is not too much of a surprise going into the season, considering the production and the anticipation for what these two guys could potentially be in store for this upcoming season. Journey Brown and Noah Kane 
were the two Nittany Lions that appeared on the Doak Walker watch list for this upcoming season. Journey Brown, of course, was the real breakout story last season, leading Penn State in rushing. Really had a fantastic game in that Cotton Bowl against Memphis. And Noah Kane, of course, uh, showed some glimpses of what he can do as well. Got banged up a little bit, kind of slowed by some injuries, but as the season went along, but still a very valuable piece to Penn State's ground game for the upcoming season. Journey Brown, Noah Kane could be a dynamic one-two punch on the ground for the Nittany Lions. So it's no question that they were going to appear on the Doak Walker watch list. Penn State has just one Doak Walker Award winner in its history. This is an award that was first awarded in 1990, I will make note. So if you think about the Penn State running back since 1990, there have been a couple of really good ones that were probably very deserving uh, to at least be considered for it. And in honesty, they were. But the only Nittany Lion to take home the Doak Walker Award was Larry Johnson back in 2002. Now, of course, uh, some of the notable running backs that didn't win the award, but were certainly uh, very strong contenders for it. Kajana Carter back in 1994, he was beat out by Rashawn Salam of Colorado, who also won the Heisman Trophy that season. And of course, Saquon Barkley in more recent memory, uh, he finished behind Dante Foreman of Texas in 2016 and Bryce Love of Stanford took home the award in 2017. We all know Saquon Barkley is phenomenal. These guys just had more stats in their favor, I think, when push came to shove for the Doak Walker Award. So I'll be very curious to see how Penn State's running backs uh, compare to some of the other backs that are out there this year. This is probably going to be a really good year for Penn State running backs, especially Journey Brown. If he continues what he did uh, last season and showed off in that Cotton Bowl, I, I think he's going to be a very big piece. So if you have a guy that is capable of being your main guy, that will certainly help your case. Now, the problem is Penn State having so much talent at running back, they don't necessarily rely on one guy too much. So that could end up hurting a guy's chances to win the Doak Walker Award, even if he is considered one of the best running backs in the country. A lot of times these awards will come down to some of your stats. So that's something that Saquon Barkley didn't necessarily have the rushing stats that would back up his argument for being considered the top running back in the country. Uh, and that's why he f finished behind a guy like Bryce Love, who just was a workhorse for Stanford and piled up so much yardage as the season went along. And that's what it comes down to a lot of times with some of these awards. So while Penn State has some really good running backs, potentially some of the best in the Big Ten, maybe even the country, it's going to be pretty tough, I think, for anyone on Penn State to rack up the kind of mileage that you're probably going to need to win the Doak Walker Award. doesn't mean that you, it won't be possible. I just feel like it's probably a little bit more of a long shot than a lot of people may want to admit when it comes down to the Doak Walker Award. Hey, I hope I'm wrong. Let's see what happens. Now, the other award that was released recently, at least for the watch list, was the Belitnikoff Award, which goes to the nation's top receiver. Notice I didn't say wide receiver. And that's because just recently, within the last couple of years, I don't remember exactly which year it was, but the Belitnikoff Award decided to open up the pool of candidates to any player that catches a football. So it doesn't necessarily have to be the top wide receiver. It's now the top receiver because they realized that the game has evolved a little bit. More players at other positions are getting involved in catching the football, including tight ends, which were not eligible for the award previously, and, of course, running backs. Uh, remember, Saquon Barkley was making a case for the Bolitnikoff Award at one point uh, during his uh, collegiate career with Penn State. Uh, but I feel as though this is a wise decision. I still think it would be nice to have an award 
just for wide receiver. So I don't know if I'm necessarily all in on the Blitnikoff Award opening up the pool of candidates. But regardless, Pat Fryermuth, of course, the Penn State tight end, was among the players named to this year's watch list for the Blitnikoff Award. This award was first awarded in 1994, and Penn State's own Bobby Ingram was the inaugural winner of the award. Penn State has not had a Blitnikoff Award winner since Bobby Ingram. And if Pat Fryermuth is going to become the next Penn Stater to win this award, he would be doing so in historic fashion because, well, like, yes, like I said, this award just recently changed its policy the last couple of years. This award has always been won by a wide receiver. Uh, and I think that that's probably going to end up being the case for the foreseeable future. Opening up the pool of candidates just allows more press releases to be created. Uh, so no disrespect to Pat Frymuth. Of course, you guys know how much of a fan I am of him. I just feel as though adding him in the watch list for the Bolitnikoff Award is nothing more than good press for the Bolitnikoff Award, for Penn State, and of course for Pat Frymuth. So I'm not belittling his inclusion on the watch list by any stretch of the imagination because he is Penn State's best receiver. <laughs> There's no question about that going into the season. He is the number one receiver on the, the offense. And we've discussed this, that Penn State needs some wide receivers to step up. Maybe they can get their name added to the watch list because uh, with watch lists, you don't have to be on the watch list at the beginning of the season or before the season in order to qualify and win an award. It certainly helps put you on the radar because the people that are voting for these awards will probably have a handful of players in their mind going into the season as who they think is going to be very likely to win the award. Who are the guys that they feel they're going to have to pay closer attention to as they kind of compare some of the top receivers going into the season. But as the seasons go on, you see players rise and you see players fade as far as where their standing is compared to others. So it's not out of the question that Pat Fryermuth could make an impact and be considered seriously for the Bolitnikoff Award. I'll believe it when I see it, though, is what I'm saying. The good news is there is an award for tight ends, and I fully expect that Pat Fryermuth is going to have his name included on that watch list. I don't know which day it is coming out, but of course that will be the Mackey Award. So when Pat Fryermuth is added to the Mackey Award, we'll react to that then, because I think he's got a really good chance at bringing that one back to Penn State. So here we are now, thick in the middle of July. It's going to be a hot one this weekend, so just make sure you are drinking those cool, refreshing beverages of your choice, keeping your social distance, but making sure you're staying cool as well. But back to the point, the middle of July is here, and we still don't know exactly what Penn State is going to do as far as Beaver Stadium is concerned for an upcoming college football season. The writing does seem to be on the wall, though. We already know that the Big Ten is cutting on conference games, so we already know that's out of the picture. We're still waiting to see what that means for the schedule. But as far as potential seating capacity is concerned, we're starting to get some indications on how things are going to play out around the Big Ten. And you can probably expect something similar to come out of Penn State in a matter of time. So what we know over the last few days is that Michigan has announced they're definitely going to have a reduced seating capacity in Michigan Stadium or the potential possibility of having games with no fans in the stands is uh, still on the table. But you're not going to have a packed house in the big house this year. Michigan has already announced that. they're going. If they are able to have games and allowed to have fans in the stadium, it will definitely be a reduced capacity. We don't know what the reduced capacity will be just yet. 
that may vary depending on the timing of the season, timing of the game, and what the current status in the state of Michigan is at that point in time. But Michigan is already confirmed. It's going to be reduced. So just get ready for that. No season tickets. It's all going to be individual game tickets. And that's probably because they don't know how many fans they can have at the beginning of the season, how many fans they can have in the middle of the season. And it's just easier to sell games on an individual game basis. So if you are planning on going out to Michigan for Penn State's road game against the Wolverines, just brace yourselves. Uh, we, we don't know exactly how many seats are going to be available for that game. But there's just something to keep an eye on. So Michigan has already announced it's going to be reduced stadium capacity. Some of those details still to be determined. On the same page, Illinois has announced that they are going to have stadium restrictions for Memorial Stadium this fall. Uh, they're going, I think, to 20, 25% capacity. Uh, you know, make all the Illinois attendance jokes you want, but this is going to be the policy. And uh, of course, social distancing will be regulated within the stands. So. Again, these are changes that are happening. This is how it's going to play out, assuming that we still get a chance to play football this season. I should also note on Michigan's release, they've announced that all tickets are going to be mobile tickets. So, you know, every, that eliminates the paper ticket and the, uh, the ability to transfer any possible disease and germs for, on a paper ticket. So get ready for that idea as well. So I have a feeling these are going to be some of the standard operating procedures that we see from a lot of schools in this uh, level of competition. You know, Michigan obviously is dealing with a similar situation as Penn State and the fact that they have a stadium that seats over 100,000 fans. How do you regulate that? How do you reduce the capacity? How do you figure out how it's going to be a safe and enjoyable atmosphere for everybody? One other thing that Illinois is doing is they're banning tailgating. So get ready for these decisions to be made at Penn State because even though you know the state of Pennsylvania was on a good trend obviously we're scaling a couple things back right now but uh, this is the kind of decisions these are the kind of decisions you're probably going to see made by Penn State in a matter of time we'll break it all down when they do but uh, you're starting to see the writing on that wall as I said so Michigan Illinois, reduced capacity, it's definitely going to happen, uh, assuming that fans are allowed in the stands. Uh, another question that's been brought up to me uh, on a couple occasions, and I'll just address it right now, is with all the things that are happening with the college football schedule, uh, what is this going to mean for the bowl season? Well, first and foremost, I'm going to say, I think you're going to see not nearly as many bowl games played. <laughs> you know, assuming we have a season, I think a lot of bowl games are going to be in severe jeopardy. But I think the one question that a lot of people seem to have is, um, you know, if you're going to have bowl games, do you still have to win that six-game minimum in order to become bowl eligible? I think uh, the answer is pretty obvious that that six-win minimum is going to be waived for this upcoming season. I don't know if the NCAA is going to announce a reduced win minimum in order to qualify for the postseason. I think you should just wipe it off the slate entirely this year because uh, I don't think you're going to have every bowl game scheduled anyway. And I think that uh, I still think big 10 teams will be allowed to go to bowl games. If bowl games are going to be a thing. I, I, I honestly mean this. I think this is a year where a lot of bowl games are going to be in some serious jeopardy because if conferences are enforcing their non-conference play, even in the postseason, uh, that's going to devastate a lot of bowl games because there's only so many spots to fill. We already know they have trouble filling them as it is with non-conference game and matchups. So I, I think bowl games are going to be in some serious jeopardy. But as far as the win minimum to get into a bowl game, I, I think that will be wiped off entirely uh, because if you're having nine-game seasons, 
asking teams to get to six wins might be a little bit too much for a lot of programs. So I think that uh, just waiving the win minimum entirely is the logical way to go about it for a one-year basis. And then we'll reassess where we stand a year from now as we get ready for the 2021 season. But I think that uh, you know, as far as the bowl win minimum is concerned, I wouldn't worry about it. A couple other quick notes. Uh, we have seen some more cancellations from the football schedule. Uh, most notably, uh, right here in Pennsylvania, the PSAC Division II uh, Pennsylvania State Athletic Conference has decided to skip all fall sports, including football. So no Shippensburg, no Westchester, no IUP, uh, no Slippery Rock. So those schools are all done for the year, and that's a shame. Uh, because we now have no Division II football, uh, basically no Division II football in the state of Pennsylvania. And this follows the decisions made by the Ivy Leagues, made by the um, made by the Patriot League, which also includes a couple of Pennsylvania schools in Lehigh and Lafayette. And then we also saw that the MEAC has canceled all their fall sports, uh, the MEAC. Uh, so that means no Celebration Bowl against the SWAC conference at the end of the year. So yeah, we're seeing more conferences by the day decide that uh, it's best not to play football this upcoming fall. We're not there yet with some of these big power conferences, and certainly I don't think the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 are going to make that kind of decision just yet. Uh, but I think the uh, it's not a it's not a positive trend if you're hoping to see some college football played this year. Uh, we're seeing a lot of games canceled. We're seeing a lot of conferences decide it's not in their best interest to play football right now. I get it. I think it's uh, there's a lot of way. You know, some schools are not even opening up for on-campus uh, schooling just yet, and that's not. We're not even getting into the conversation about what to do with uh, elementary, middle, and high schools in the state of Pennsylvania or elsewhere. But we do know, on that note, that the PIAA is moving forward with fall sports. So if schools are going to be open. Uh, and you know, high schools are going to be open. We're going to have some high school sports this upcoming season. At least that's the plan uh, in the state of Pennsylvania. So that's interesting. But I think uh, another conversation that I popped up with uh, uh, Chris Peak, who actually covers the Pitt Panthers for Panther Lair, uh, he know he retweeted a high school recruit that suggested that uh, that that kid's high school is probably not going to be playing football this fall and it's probably going to be played in the spring. So he's actually going to be an early enrollee at Pitt. And that brought up my question, which I didn't even think about until just now or, you know, just earlier today. I think if high school sports are not going to be playing football in the fall, I think there's probably a chance that a lot more kids could decide to go and be an early enrollee at their college football program. Obviously, uh, you have to be in a certain situation to be able to graduate high school early and be an early enrollee. So not every football player that's not going to get a chance to play this fall is going to be able to take that path. But I do think that you could see a few more probably decide to be an early enrollee at their next school uh, if they're able to be doing that. Uh, so I would just keep a close eye on that. It, I don't think this necessarily changes anything for the recruiting calendar. Uh, I still think uh, kids that were going to commit in January or I'm sorry, in December are probably still going to do that. And I'm assuming that the recruiting calendar hasn't been changed by that point in time. That's still a possibility as well. 
And I did have a couple of other topics of conversation I wanted to get into, but I'm going to hold off on those for now. They're not too time sensitive, and it'll give me something that we can talk about next week on the podcast. So make sure you're subscribed on all of your favorite podcasting apps of choice, from Apple Podcasts to Spotify and Stitcher, whatever you're using to listen to podcasts these days, whether you're at home in your home office or maybe you're at work or maybe you're just needing something to listen to on your ride into work or home, whatever your case may be, subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcasting app and then leave a rating and a review, whatever you're using to listen to the podcast. We appreciate the feedback and it helps us with the growth and our placement on those various podcasting apps. So if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, subscribe, leave a rating, leave a review. We're aiming for 100 podcast reviews on Apple Podcasts in the month of July. So any help you can get us there would be greatly appreciated. But it all comes back to just hearing what you guys have to say. And another way you can let us know what you have to say is by connecting with us on Twitter and on Facebook and on Instagram and on Twitch, all using the username LockedOnNittany. If you send in your questions, we'll try to get them into the next episode that's recorded. You can do that anytime. So subscribe to our podcast and then follow us on all the social media platforms to get the most out of your experience here with Locked On Nittany. My name is Kevin McGuire. I'm a contributor to AthlonSports.com. You can give me a follow on Twitter at KevinOnCFB and look for my newsletter on Substack. It's KevinOnCFB.Substack.com. I like to share some fun conversations, some thoughts that I have in my mind. It's not just about sports either, but I will also reference the latest episodes of the podcast and give you some direct links just in case you missed anything. As I mentioned earlier, the pro sports are starting to come back, so now is a great time to get caught up on all the NBA action. Tell your smart device right now to play Locked On NBA, get all the NBA conversation, and find out what people think about Ben Simmons potentially taking a three-point shot. I know I'll believe it when I see it. But thanks once again for listening. Thanks for subscribing and supporting our podcast and all the stuff we've got going on. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll be back next week with some fresh content for you. But make sure you have a good weekend. Stay safe, stay cool, and wear a mask. I'll talk to you guys all next week. Have a good weekend. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you later.